And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program. I'm Vic Batista and Nathan Jones, and welcome to The Truth Will Set You Free. Hey, today we have an exciting program prepared for you. Uh, so we're going to be talking about, about Bible prophecy, Islam, and September 11th or 9th, 11th. So stay tuned for today's program. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if you will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we can remember 9-11 and all those 3,000 people gave their lives, Lord, the hands of radical terrorism. Lord, uh, we know this all plays into the end times, so we just ask for mercy upon the families who are left behind in this country, and Lord, for your peace and safety in these difficult times. Lord, open up the word so we may understand your will and your precious name. Amen. Thank you, Nathan Jones. Again, you're tuning into our program here, The Truth Will Set You Free, Vic Batista, Nathan Jones. As we're talking about Bible prophecy, Islam, and September 11th. So again, hopefully you can stay tuned to the whole program and keep us in prayer uh, for today's program, as it is an important one. Nathan Jones, it's great to have you on without hiccups. Yeah, last week I went without a hiccups, brother. I'm so sorry for all that you having here with hiccups. I got to use that new button. No problem, Nathan. We always have fun, and I'm just so glad uh, to hear uh, that you're feeling a lot better. So that is that is fantastic, uh, Nathan. We just um, we just celebrated, uh, actually not celebrated, but commemorated the situation of uh, September 11th. Can you believe it, Nathan? It's been uh, 17 years already. Yeah, amazing, Nathan. My son uh, just uh, left to Hawaii from the Marines to serve the country. So we're so grateful for those brave men and women uh, that serve our country. Wow, that really hits home too, right? Because now you've got a soldier in the family. Wow, good point. Yeah, absolutely, Nathan. And that's why we're so thankful for America. We're so thankful for uh, this beautiful land that God has uh, given to us. And uh, we understand that in the last days, of course, there's going to be a lot of attacks around the world, uh, a lot of more terrorist uh, attacks. And sometimes people wonder, well, how does this play into Bible prophecy? Where, where is all this going? Where is, is Islam going? And, and is Islam going to rule the world? And Nathan, I believe the Bible uh, has a lot to say to this. It speaks to this about these end time wars, uh, much like the Bible talks about in, in Psalm uh, chapter uh, 83. And I was thinking maybe, Nathan, maybe we can go there to Psalm 83, uh, read verses 1 through 8, and then maybe talk a little bit about this subject matter. Yeah, we want to encourage those of you that are tuned into the program, grab your Bibles and uh, uh, follow along with us for this very educational uh, program so that you can uh, have an idea of what the Bible has to say about Islam, but also what the Bible has to say about uh, the end times and how it all plays into September 11th and a lot of the tragedies that we're seeing around the world. But ultimately, the Bible has the answer. All right, let's do it. You want me to read the uh, entire Oh, Nathan, I, I thought if we if we if we focus on verses one through eight, it would be fantastic. Just in case maybe someone tuned in doesn't have a Bible, at least they can follow along with us with those opening verses. Okay, okay. So let's do Psalm 83. Uh, let's read starting with verse one. 
Do not keep silent, O God, do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their heads. They have taken crafty counsel against your people, and consulted together against your sheltered ones. If they come, let us cut them off from beginning a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. Mm. So they have consulted together with one consent, and they form a confederacy against you. The tents of Edom, and the Ishmaelites, Moab, and the Hagrites, Gabel, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also has joined them. They have helped the children of Lot. Mm. You know, Nathan, some people say that Islam is a peaceful uh, religion. I think one of the presidents actually made that comment. What, what are your thoughts towards that and what the Bible has to say here? Well, just after 9-11 when the terrorists, uh, 19 of them hijacked four planes and crashed two into the World Trade Center, annihilating it, one into the uh, Pentagon and destroyed a section of it. And then right. uh, another one that was meant to the White House crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. And we lost 3,000 people, including first responders, like our heroic firemen and, and police officers, and other support services. And so the terrorists, they, they hit the very establishment of America's power, the Pentagon, our military strength, the mm -hmm. World Trade Center, our economic strength. And they were going for the executive strength at the White House. And they, they effectively made their point. They were willing to give up their lives to terrorists to strike at all the major areas that America has power in the world. And it's scary. And that's what terrorism does. It, it, it exists to put us in a state, state of terror. Just look at how, how long it takes just to get to an airport now. TSA, or the fact that security is everywhere yeah. in our schools and our events because of terrorists who have lone wolf-type attacks around the country. Think of the Boston Marathon, for instance. Terrorism yeah. made their point, made it effectively, and it radically changed America and the world. Uh, for the worst since 9-11. Mm. Nathan, that's a very good point. So when, when people talk about uh, peaceful religion, now we do understand not, not all Muslims are radicals, of course. Right, Nate? Well, uh, to be a radical is a word that's thrown around. Uh, George W. Bush, uh, like you said, in 9-11, he came out called Islam, peaceful religion. Uh, for the most part, most Muslims want to kick back and, and then, you know, just live. You know, they don't want to have to fight. Right. But... What we call radical Islam is fundamentalist Islam. And fundamentalists are actually the true Quran-believing Muslims. They turn to the verses that tell them that they must wage jihad upon the world. Mm. And so they have no choice but to obey what is what the Quran is telling them. For instance, Surah 9-5. Fight and slay the pigs wherever you find them, and seize them, and beleaguer them, and lie and wait for them in every stratagem. Or Surah 2, 191 through 992. Mm. And kill them wherever you find them and drive them out from whence they drove you out. And wow. persecution is severe than slaughter. If they do fight you, then slay them, such as the recompense of the unbelievers. Oh. That's what the Quran teaches. And if you're a true believer of the Quran, which all Muslims should be, then your job is to destroy the infidel. Wow. And Nathan, I mean, that's powerful. And yet, I mean, I have some really good uh, friends of mine that they are Muslims, co-workers, of course, and not the crazy radicals. But at the core of their belief, that's what you're reading from the Quran. It's almost like as a Christian, at the core of our belief is the Bible, is Jesus Christ. So uh, this is what we are talking about here, that uh, there's a lot of danger in, the, in their religion. It's true. I mean, if you're a Christian, then the core is... Acts 1-8, go out and evangelize the That's world. Right. If you're a Christian, if you're a, a Bible-believing 
Christian, then you are a fundamentalist that you need to, to go out and share the gospel and bring Absolutely. love to the world. If you're a fundamentalist Muslim, you follow the Quran and you are required to bring death to the world. The, the wow. religions are radically opposite. And I don't think anyone saying really thinks that Islam right. is a religion of peace. The history of Islam soaks in the blood of the infidel. So, uh, I mean, you have to be in a tremendous state of leftist denial to right. believe that Islam is a religion of peace. You know, Nathan, I mean, it, it, Hal Lindsey actually has a lot to write also in his programs about, you know, the reality of this and many others are talking about to uh, awaken the people. Uh, Nathan, I mean, in, it, it's interesting. I was doing a search on an app and um, on this app, it, it, I was looking actually for evangelical churches. And uh, I'm not sure how when I put in, um, uh, I think I was looking for a Jewish also a believing uh, synagogue type of deal. And all of a sudden, this is this is app that popped up with a map of all the different mosques that were popping up in the general area. I was so surprised to find out how many were actually in my general area as well. And I was I was taken back to see how also quickly uh, this is growing in the United States of America, e even in our own backyard. And at the core, what we're saying at the core of the Quran is what we're reading here. This some some of this. It's a little bit alarming. Well, very much so. Matter of fact, the, the response that, that George W. Bush gave, again, he didn't want to attack you know, over one and a half billion Muslims in the world. You don't want a war like that. That is, and it's actually an anti war, and I'm sure you and I get into this. Yes. But eventually the world is going to have to deal with Islam or be taken over by it. We've yeah. seen Europe is surrendered, they're flying the white flag, they're begging the Muslims to, to come in and institute Islam in their countries and take over. It's filling that vacuum, that void that secular humanism gives. Mm. And in the United States, we responded as, as wonderfully as Americans do. We want to show love to our enemies. Right. And say, hey, you know, we don't hate you all. We, we want to show you love. But unfortunately, it does the opposite thing. You, with Islam, if you try to appease Islam, then it's just a sign of weakness. And they only up the attacks when they see a sign of weakness. And so yeah. unfortunately, right. in the United States, we've done everything to apologize to Islam and mm. Muslims instead of setting up real security agents. As a matter of fact, President Trump came to create a travel ban against countries that send known terrorists, not, not because they're Muslim countries, no. but because they're terrorist-creating countries like Iran, that our whole country went bananas. And courts you know, said you can't do right. that until finally the Supreme Court stepped in. Uh, we, we're living in this great solution, and if we just appease right. radical Islam, then it's going to be okay, and there won't be a war. But brother, the Bible prophesies a great war against Islam. Yes. And as we read in Psalm 83, let me circle back, because that's where you want to get into there, right? Absolutely. Psalm 83 is the first stage in an end-time war against Islam. Excellent point. And, and Nathan, as we look at this, also, I am reminded that um, you, you did a great job. You also put together an inbox uh, type of teaching video uh, that uh, you put together. And I just thought it was fantastic. And I'm actually showing that in the background in case someone is watching us live. But can you also tie that in together and talk to us about this? Okay. Well, uh, I spoke on Islam at a prophecy conference in Kentucky called uh, Fate of Islam. And uh, so many people afterwards come out and say, hey, you know, you need to make a teaching video about that. I explained what Islam believes, what their goals are, what the Quran actually teaches, and uh, also what the end time wars against uh, Islam will be in the last days. And then I give you five ways that you can witness to a 
love them and bring them to Christ. Mm. And uh, as I produced, that, they can find that on our website, landlion.com. Absolutely. Uh, I've got the video. You, or you go to YouTube and just type in the fate of Islam. But also I have little bite-sized videos in our inbox series, three of them, that cover different aspects that are taken from that, the fate of Islam video. And the one I see behind you is, will Islam conquer the world? And that's one of them. It's, it's what does the Bible say about Islam in the end times? Because clearly, with one and a half billion followers wow. of Islam, Islam plays a major role in inside Bible prophecy. Amazing, Nathan, and those are those are incredible statistics that you are that you are that you're sharing with us. And this is why I think that individuals need to pay attention to what we're talking about here, so that they can have a better understanding of what it is that we're up against. But yes, Nathan, you were going to take us through Psalm 83, and that we'll welcome that. So hopefully, those that are tuning in and watching uh, can understand how these wars are playing out and the players involved. Well, you're probably looking at Psalm 83 if you're not really familiar about Bible prophecy and be like, wait a minute, wouldn't Psalm 83 yeah. have anything to do with <laughs> Bible prophecy? Well, uh, Bill Salas is probably the, the best-known Bible prophecy scholar when it comes to this theory that Psalm 83 isn't a prophecy about the time of David, but it's a messianic prophecy or an end-time prophecy, I should say, about the end uh, times where Israel, once as a nation again, will have to deal with it. Now, uh, Israel is, is obviously at the height of its power when, in during David's time, and yet here, this psalm prays against all the enemies of Israel that they may all destroy, and it's done by, it's, David didn't write the psalm, Asaph the seer, in other words, Asaph the prophet mm -hmm. wrote this psalm. And so this psalm isn't just a prayer or, or a wish that Israel deals with their surrounding hostile neighbors, but that they're defeated. And it's not just, it, it might happen, it's a definite prayer that it's going to happen. Yes. So Bill Salas and others, like uh, our own Dr. David Reagan here at Land and Ministries and myself, believe that Psalm 83 is the first of three wars that in the end times will bring an end to the Islamic religion. Mm. So Nathan, and the Bible does talk about, uh, most people only know about the, uh, the Ezekiel uh, 37, 38 war. Some people maybe know about, uh, they've all heard of Armageddon, but yet you're telling us uh, even before the Lord returns, possibly we can see some other very significant wars taking place. People are surprised that, yeah, they think, well, the end time war is Armageddon. That is one right. of the end time wars. Believe it <laughs> or not, the Bible prophesies nine end-time wars. Now, if you go to our website at christandprophecy.org or landline.com, Dr. Reagan has a wonderful article. It's the nine wars of the end times. Look that up. And it lists all nine of the wars in chronological order that are just before the tribulation yeah. and then fall into the seven-year tribulation. Mm. And the first of these nine end-time prophesied wars is what we call the Psalm 83 war, because it's a prophecy against the nations, the hostile nations that surround Israel. Now, brother, you and I have read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and you look at the, especially Kings and Chronicles, yeah. and it was Israel constantly being harassed by the surrounding nations. Well, all of a sudden Israel becomes a nation again in 1948, and the day they proclaim the nationhood, those same nations continue to attack Israel and continue attacking even until today. So it's like, just turn on the news, Right. Like reading the Bible in the Old Testament, the same nations, the same, same. players fighting with Israel. 
Amazing. And, and this is why when we talk about Islam and, and the Muslim nations, I mean, they go basically by different names, maybe some of them in the Bible, but it's still the same, same location. It is. Yeah, well, well, let me go through them because you're probably reading these names and as we just read in Psalm 93, and like, what? what? Right. <laughs> Let's look at their modern equipment, because we're going to have to do the same thing when we get to the second end time war, which is the gods and the gospel war. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah. So when it, the Bible talks in Psalm 83, they're about the tents of Edom. Well, the Edomites, the, the descendants, those are actually what we call the Palestinians today. Palestinians. And throughout Israel and in right. southern Jordan. The Ishmaelites are, Ishmael was the father of the Arabs, so that's the Saudi Arabian nation. Uh, you've also got the Moab, which is, again, more Palestinian, and it also covers the nation state of Jordan. Mm -hmm. The Hagrites, the Hagarines, are Egyptians. Evil is what would be listed as northern Lebanon, which is now controlled by the terrorist group Hezbollah. You've got Ammon, which is a, again another right. reference to the Palestinian areas, which is northern Jordan. Because Jordan is the Palestinian state. You've got Amalek, which is the Arabs of the Sinai area. You've got Philistia, which is a Gaza Strip, which is again controlled by another terrorist That's group, Hamas. Right. Uh, Tyre is Again, Lebanon and uh, Hezbollah controlled, and in Syria, which is the the Syrians, and it actually the Syria also covered northern Iraq. So we can read these Old Testament names right. and see that these are the nations that directly surround Israel even today. We've got Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Gaza, Lebanon, uh, and possibly um, uh, Saudi Arabia and Iraq mm -hmm. as well. All these nations surround Israel. They're openly hostile. They war. Again and again with Israel, but again, 1948, right. 50 keys in the Six Day War in 67, and then 73, and, and Operation Castle. That's amazing. Again and again, these countries continually attack Israel and, and again, wage a war against them in the UN for public opinion. Cool. And Nathan, I mean, that is amazing. When you look at this here in Psalm, it's just looking at, it's like looking at the news today. You can basically plot each one of these. Uh, all around Israel today, and it's still mentioned here over 2,000, almost 3,000 years prior to this, we see the same uh, situation. It's like the Old Testament came right. alive again. I mean, Israel is, is a power like it was during David's time, and Israel was constantly harassed by the surrounding nations right. around them. Now, everyone talks about peace in the Middle East, but we know from the Bible that there will never be peace in the Middle East or in the entire world until the Prince of Peace comes. But That's before right. he comes, nine different end-time wars will happen. And this is where we get into Psalm 83, and if you want to keep reading on, we find out that Israel, at some point in its near future, is going to have to overcome and control the nations that surround it. Excellent point. So, yeah, Nathan, you can continue to take us through because I think this is going to be very uh, educational uh, for many, but really had no idea how Islam and all this plays into the end times. Okay. Well, in this prayer that uh, the prophet Asaph or Seer Asaph was given, he starts back with verse 9, where he's imploring God to step in and mm -hmm. finally deal with these attacking nations. So he says in verse 9, deal with them as with Midian, as with Sisera, as with Jabin the brook Kishon, who perished at Endor, who became his refuse on the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yes, all of the princes like Zeb and Zalmunna, who said, take, let us take our, for ourselves the pastures of God for his possession. Now, this is a reference to previous uh, countries around Israel, same countries, different leaders throughout Israel's history 
try to conquer Israel and steal their land from them. Now, right. if you know, what is the number one thing they hear in the news when it comes to Israel? Wow. Well, hmm. the number one thing, well... Verse I, 12, I think, has your answer there. I mean, is this who... Who said, let us take for ourselves the pasture of God for their possession? Of course, the dividing of the land and who owns what? Right. I mean, that is the central issue that the world faces. In fact, the UN, with all the crimes committed, <laughs> genocide in, in North Korea and the concentration camps are running there, and the terrorists that come out of Iraq, Iran, uh, the UN is obsessed with dealing with yeah. this issue. Who owns the land of Israel? Well, we know from Genesis 12 in the Abrahamic covenant and the land covenant that God made with uh, Abraham and his descendants that, that the Jewish people would own the land forever. Right. The world says no. The world says, hey, that's our land. We're going to take it. And that is the central argument, the central conflict yeah. that the world is facing now. What do we do with Israel? And what do we do with their land? Whether we have any claim to it or not, everybody yeah. has an opinion of it. And, and that is what dominates the news and politics Today. Nathan, and that is a very good point. And, and what we're finding is that actually Israel has been uh, gaining back their land uh, throughout the years in every one of these wars. So this is actually fascinating. Well, Israel in 1948 had only a small sliver of land. That's right. At one point, it was only nine miles wide. Near That's amazing. Sea. And so you, you can't defend that land. But from 1948 to 1967, Israel miraculously won every war that the Middle East threw at it. I mean, when Israel started in 48, there was only a few hundred thousand people, That's it. a handful of little little planes, and a bunch of kibbutz workers <laughs> and they held off five armies. So by 1967, all the nations led by uh, attacked Israel and tried to overtake Israel, and that's when Israel fought back. Right. They claimed what we call the West Bank today, which is the western side of the Jordan River, and, and Gaza, which we today call the Gaza Strip. And they expanded their land and expanded their protection. Now, bear in mind that what Israel owns today is only a small portion of the land God promised them. Because as you know, God promised them from the Nile River to the Euphrates River. And when Jesus comes back and sets up his millennial kingdom, Israel will once again control that land. But today, Israel only has a tiny little sliver of what is promised by God. Mm. And Nathan, and that's a very good point because as we see a Bible prophecy play out, uh, again, the ones who are actually going to rule the world is going to be Israel and God's people at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And so that's where we get to Psalm 83 war, that this prayer to God that Israel will finally, after thousands of years, and then there's a yes. break, of course, of 2,000 years, but Israel is finally going to conquer the nations around it. And it needs to, because when we get to the next prophetic war afterwards, the reaction by the other Muslim countries, Iran, Turkey, mm. um, uh, uh, Libya, and the Stan nations, uh, led by Russia, is going to then come and try to destroy Israel. And that's one of the most, there's more Bible verses on that than there is about yeah. Armageddon. So we know that before that happens, Israel has to reach, one, a state of peace, Right. And two, a state of greater authority in the world. In other words, Israel is going to become a world power. Mm -hmm. And Satan is trying everything he can do to stop that. But the Psalm 83 war, what, uh, I'll give you a little, I don't know if you want to cover this next week, but we'll find out that, that God does this. He allows Israel's defense forces to overtake those countries. Yeah. And Israel then becomes a world superpower. 
Excellent point. No, Nathan, we could definitely tackle that in the future. But uh, here in Psalm 83, I mean, it's a small psalm, but it's just packed with incredible information. Uh, and it goes through, again, like you're taking us through verse by verse and talking about these countries and exactly how things are going to line up. So, yeah, Nathan, you can continue to take us through this prayer in a sense. Okay, the final verses start with 13. Oh, my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind, as the fire burns the woods, and as the flame sets the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest, and frighten them with your speed. Fill their faces with shame, that they may sing your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yet let them be put to shame and perish, that they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Ooh. And so that's just like the next war after this, the God and Magog war with Ezekiel 38, 39. Both of them, the main purpose of this, it's not really for Israel to grow bigger or have more power. It's, it's verse 18, that you may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. In other words, Jehovah God is superior to Allah. Amen. And I love that right there. Because that's exactly what the Bible says, Nathan. And this is why we trust the Bible, not what people think or what necessarily what the news is telling us. Yeah. Uh, the news has got to convince that the Israelis are a bunch of evil people right. in the land all over. Uh, now, the U.S. promised the land in 1947 and actually made a resolution that gave the land back to Israel. Israel yeah. did not steal any land. Matter of fact, most of the land that Israel was bought back by the Jews over years. It was a wasteland mostly uninhabited, and they built it to the bounty it is today. And that's why all these Muslim countries, they want Israel's bounty. They want to plunder it. You know, Nathan, it's amazing. Uh, uh, before 1948, who wanted it, the piece of property? Because technically they thought, oh, this was useless land. Yet God's people always had a vision of restoration. Uh, they always trusted God. They believed in God for the future. And now uh, that that land is so uh, uh, so pricey that, that trying to move there costs an, an arm and a leg. And who could have believed that? <laughs> Right. Nathan. And, and it's, again, a miracle, the truth of the word of God, how he's going to bless uh, Abraham's seed, God's people. Nathan, even, even we see that all over the world, how God is blessing the Jewish people. Our ministry is about a mile or two from Aventura uh, here in Florida. And Aventura, Nathan, 20 years ago was like nobody would even think about uh, wanting to buy there or live there. And now we have one of the greatest Jewish settlements here maybe third in the nation in Aventura, and you can't even buy a little piece of lot there because of the value, how much it has increased. So it's really amazing all over the world what God is doing. Well, uh, just a, a tip for you. Uh, after the God and Magog were the second war in the series, uh, the Bible says that all the Jews, all of them, will want to go back to Israel. So Aventura, man, is going to be cleaned out of the Jews <laughs> after that war. 
<laughs> we'll leave it. We'll leave it for those left behind to buy that property, Nate. That will be gone. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a great point that you're making, Nathan. And the idea here is that those that are tuned into the program, again, this is the reality of what the Bible has to say. Bible prophecy, Islam, and 9-11, as Nathan has been sharing with us, listen, uh, uh, God is going to rule the world. No matter what the news says, no matter what people are, are thinking or saying, uh, prophecy is going to be fulfilled. And the key is if you don't know Christ, what an opportunity right now for you to come to Jesus while there is still time. We're living in exciting days. God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And we hope that you will open your heart to him uh, as the Lord uh, wants you to. And Nathan, in closing, would you be able maybe to briefly share with that person on the other side who maybe is a little bit fearful about Islam, they don't know Christ, to place their hope in Jesus, Nathan, and how they can do that because he is really our peace. He's the prince of peace. <laughs> I mean, not just peace. He's the guy in charge. He's the one who makes it. And if you're feeling worried about Islam and, and what the future holds for it, well, yeah, tune in next week or re put the next podcast in, and we'll tell you that you don't have to worry. The, the Bible has a great future prophesied for you if you're a Christian. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your That's Savior, right. then a lot of these events we're talking about, we will be rational before they happen. I strongly believe, especially before we get into the tribulation. So, uh, don't fret. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ, then pray from your heart in faith and repentance. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I yes. need to be saved. Please forgive me of those sins and mm. be my Lord and Savior. In your precious name, Jesus Christ. Ooh, amen. Thank you so much, Nathan. And maybe you just place your trust in Christ. Hey, there's a wonderful future ahead uh, for you. You have nothing uh, to fear. So, Nathan, again, what a wonderful uh, topic. Thank you so much for opening up for us uh, those passages. And I want to encourage those of you that are watching or listening. Again, check out Nathan's inbox as he talks about uh, this this uh, issue in Islam, and you will be uh, blessed. Of course, we ran out of time for this segment of the program. I'm Vic Batista, my co-host Nathan Jones, saying goodbye. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you. And we hope that you all have a wonderful, wonderful week. Nathan, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And of course, again, stay tuned next time for our program, and we thank you for your prayers and your support. Have a great week.